this is Heather. Thanks for joining me today for a lunch and learn, or maybe for you, it's a snack and learn, or a breakfast and learn. Well, whatever time of day you happen to be enjoying this episode, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. These episodes are intended to be short, so let's dive right in. To truly understand how to dissect health-related news, it's essential to understand how research studies are carried out. There are many different ways to run a research study. A researcher can simply observe trends, or they can administer an intervention. These methods can be broadly categorized as observational studies and interventional studies, respectively. Today we'll talk about a specific intervention study called a randomized control trial. This can be a pretty big topic, so I'm going to break it into three parts spread over three weeks. It would be absolutely disastrous on my part to overwhelm you and lose you so soon. First of all, let's talk about what a randomized control trial is. A randomized control trial, referred to here on out as an RCT, compares head-to-head two or more groups of people receiving different exposures. An exposure is just as it sounds, something to which the research participant is exposed. Exposures can be drugs, dietary supplements, exercise regimens, nothing at all, a placebo, commonly known as a sugar pill, or basically anything else that a researcher can reasonably control or assign to a research participant. This type of study is commonly known as the gold standard for testing whether an intervention is safe and effective. As I mentioned, I'm going to break this topic into three parts, so let's start with the first part of the term, randomized. The RCT namesake stems from the fact that participants are randomized to different groups. Randomization helps to protect the integrity of the study by creating groups of research participants that are reflective of those in the real world. There are a number of ways to randomize people to different groups, such as by using a random number table, which is the simplest way to select participants. But it's not the only way, and it's not always the best way to randomize. But, so I don't scare you away too soon, I'll cover the details of how research participants are randomized in another episode. For now, just remember that in RCTs, people are randomly assigned to a group. Let's now dive into how researchers may assign random participants to groups, and we'll use ibuprofen as our primary example. Let's say we have two groups. One way an RCT could play out is that group 1 receives 600 milligrams of ibuprofen, while group 2 receives a placebo. Therefore, group 1's exposure is the ibuprofen, and group 2's exposure is the placebo. A common misunderstanding around RCTs is that one group must always receive a placebo. That's not true, so let's go ahead and talk about that. In another example, a researcher could assign group 1 to receive 600 milligrams of ibuprofen and assign group 2 nothing, not even a placebo. In this case, group 1's exposure is the ibuprofen and group 2's exposure is nothing. They're not exposed to anything at all. In the third scenario, a researcher could compare two different active pills against one another. So, for example, 
group 1 could receive 600 mg of ibuprofen, and group 2 would receive 650 mg of acetaminophen. In the final example, a researcher could compare two different doses of the same intervention by assigning group 1 to receive 600 mg of ibuprofen and group 2 to receive 800 mg of ibuprofen. But it doesn't stop there. In these examples, I've assumed that the researcher is studying only two groups. There can definitely be more than two groups, such as if a researcher wanted to evaluate the effectiveness of 600 mg of ibuprofen versus 800 mg of ibuprofen versus 650 mg of acetaminophen versus a placebo. That would be four groups. This could also be done with three groups if you eliminate the placebo or the acetaminophen group. Before we move on, let's do a quick recap. An RCT involves assigning different groups to different exposures. This assignment is done randomly. The exposures can be a variety of things, from drugs and vitamins to placebos and nothing at all. At the end of the study, the effectiveness of the exposures is compared head-to-head with the other exposures to answer the question, is one better than the other, or do they work the same? I've given you a lot to think about, so let it marinate for a while, and if something didn't quite stick, listen again in a few hours or maybe on another day. Before you listen to part two, be sure you have a solid understanding of how research participants are assigned to different groups and exposures. I hope you found this information helpful. If so, please share this episode or the entire podcast series with a friend. You can also rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode and so you can help others to find the show. You can also find the show on Instagram at Dissected Health Pod or you can join the Facebook group, also at Dissected Health Pod. If you have helpful feedback or questions, or you have an idea for something you'd like me to discuss in the future, reach out to me via the contact page on my website, dissectedhealthpod.com. Thanks again for joining me today. Enjoy the rest of your day. <music>